more of like a middle-aged Karen move, and that's me totally. <laughs> Hello, I'm Mark. I'm Justin. And we're the J-Pops. And we are attempting parenting in Japan. Welcome. Thank you for joining us for episode six. Yes, we are uh, We're six episodes deep. You know, in chess tournaments, they say game six is always the game to watch. Isn't that the same in, uh, oh God, I'm going to mess this up, basketball? <laughs> yeah, no, you got it right. <laughs> okay, it. it is basketball. <laughs> yes. I know sports. I don't know. There's, yeah, there's kind of a joke in basketball that every game in a series is the pivotal game. It's like, oh, pivotal game one. Oh, pivotal game two coming up. And they say pivotal <laughs> every time. Um, but uh, in chess, I mean, you've got Fisher Spassky 72. Game six was massive. You've got Carlson Nepomniachtchi 2021. Game six was huge. Longest in World Chess Championship history. So go yeah. watch your game sixes. Okay. And enjoy, uh, enjoy episode six. It's going to be legendary. Yes. Equally pivotal. Equally pivotal. Um, <laughs> so let's get into the updates. Uh, how is Moe doing these days? Uh, she is doing very good. Um, we're at week 22 right now. Uh, lots of movement from the baby. And uh, yeah, other than that, all good. No, nothing to report, really. Uh, we have our next visit coming up uh, in a few days, I think on Tuesday or Wednesday. And we're hoping to figure out the sex by that date. But, you know, we'll see. How all about right, you? So- Still a bit of time on the uh, on the big sex reveal. Yeah. Can I just address one thing quickly before I get into our update? Yeah. Uh, it should be sex reveal. You know, but people sex say reveal. the gender reveal. And um, oh. like the gender reveal party. I guess I really never thought about the difference, but I suppose so. Physiologically yeah, and- speaking, it would be a sex reveal. Yeah. And I, I think I, um, you know could be chalked up to sort of a modern thing about the usage of the word gender and it's more right. about a societal role and so on. But I definitely yeah. read that in um, 2006, I think. I read a book that was published in 2006 where they mentioned the difference between sex and gender. So I think it's been, I don't know if it's entirely just a new thing, but I guess gender has always been more of a, a societal kind of role and sex is like more of a physiological thing. But yeah. it's just too embarrassing to say the word sex and uh that holds everybody back like on the or we're having a mm. sex reveal party or if somebody tells you oh we're gonna have a baby and then you say um tell me about the sex you know it's just like too awkward and people are like gender gender will do that'll be better yeah there's less definitely less stigma uh tied to that word in general but i do i do understand yeah you use the word correctly right out of the gate no fear no shame that's Mark Harris, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. That's right. I, I have no idea. I, th- I had it written down. I read it. <laughs> okay, good. It's all scripted. That's how he does it. Um, yeah, so the um, uh, our appointment, we had an appointment where they did a very in-depth uh, ultrasound. And I don't know if it's the same at every hospital or clinic, but my wife will sometimes get a bit of a a lighter ultrasound, just check in with the baby, see how he's Ooh. doing. And then sometimes she'll go in and get a very in-depth ultrasound uh, where they're, you know, checking all aspects of the health that they can check, like top to bottom and it's a big checklist. So she went in for one of the in-depth ones and um, two things that are not horrible, but that are also not like 
uh, swimmingly perfect. One is um, that the baby's still in a, an awkward position. And so mm. the, um, the C-section date still holds, um, you know, in case we need to make use of that. Uh, but the baby is not head down as he should be. But what week so, are you in? I forget. Uh, we are in week 29, I think. 29. And, but it so, doesn't... I thought the turning point was like 35 or something. I think there's a window of time and the baby is still within the window of time to okay. turn. But okay. um, uh, babies will turn sooner than week 29 as well and already be in a good position. So mm. um, it's all up to the kid. And then I think we talked about it before, but uh, our doctor advised that my wife, in her case, like lay sleep only on her left side to, you know, kind of try and right. cajole the baby to rotate in a certain way. And there's yeah. some, uh, not prescribed by our doctor, but there are some like rumored exercises and yoga positions and things that you can do to try and motivate the baby to spin around. Just do cartwheels. But, cartwheels, <laughs> but like only counterclockwise. <laughs> and then you'll line up the baby just like that. Um, so science. Uh, science. <laughs> That's how it works. Um so we've got that going on. Uh, you know, it's it's been identified. C-sections are safe by and large. Mm. And then uh, it's, you know, uh, no gotcha. worry. But uh, it's just one thing to keep an eye on. And then uh, the other thing, this is totally new to me. And I've only just learned the word, the English word for it today. Uh, there's something called congenital hydrocil. And okay. hydrocil is H-Y-D-R-O-C-E-L-E hydrocil and um what is hydrocil well that's the first question asked on the website that i'm looking at and, by and me. it says yeah and by mark it says a hydrocil is a buildup of watery fluid around one or both testicles it causes the scrotum or groin area to swell a congenital hydrocil is one that a baby is born with hydrocils can also occur later in life for a number of reasons uh, the swelling from a hydrocil may look scary, but it is usually not a problem. It will go away by the time your baby is two years old. I should say it will probably go away by the time your baby is two years old. What what kind of swelling are we talking here? Are we looking like small orange, like Mekon, or are we talking like apple-sized? That's a very good question. Um, they don't, they don't I, It doesn't dive into, it, it just says uh, the usual symptom is a swollen scrotum. The swelling does not hurt. If your child seems to be in pain, call the doctor. Uh, so I think, you know, just based on the fact that uh, the child would not be in pain, I would imagine it's not enormous. It's not like, you know, causing tension or pressure or anything. Gotcha. But um, the explanation is, and this is kind of interesting, um, like what's actually happening physiologically it says, a month or so before birth, a baby's testicles move from the belly area down into the scrotum, mm. along with a bit of the lining of the belly area. The lining shrivels up, leaving a small empty space around the testicles. This space normally closes up by the time a baby is two years old. Sometimes fluid leaks into the space, filling it like a small water balloon. This is a hydrocil. So it's basically just uh, a little bit of a, not too big of a problem. This is all from the University of Michigan uh, website, by the way. Their um, University of Michigan Health School, I guess, their gotcha. medical school. So not to worry, but uh, that's something that's happening. And this is currently happening? 
Yeah, it was identified in the in the big ultrasound that just happened. So they said something to keep an eye on. And then the, the doctor actually said it'll just be something that the pediatrician should be aware of to just sort of monitor. Uh, but there's no treatments, no like nothing to do, but just something to watch, they said. That's pretty amazing that they can identify this from an ultrasound when they're still having a hard time with my baby's sex. Yeah, exactly. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty amazed at the leaps in a, in like six weeks. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I've said it before, but our baby's uh, like testicles have been on proud display at every ultrasound. Right. They're just the main thing. We can't <laughs> see, we cannot really see the baby's face, but um, the baby is always in such a position that he's just, he's just airing them out as best he can. Gotcha. Well, it's that yeah. hydrocele. It's that hydrocell. It's um, you know, it's brought everything right into focus. Uh, so that's the only; those are the only two updates. And if those are the worst problems that have been identified, then I'm pretty happy with that. Things that yeah. seem to not really be alarmingly yeah. troublesome, but just things to keep an eye on. Problems that are solvable. That's what you want, I think. Yeah, that's fairly good, I think. So that's the update. Nice. And I I learned something today. Ditto about what a hydrocell is. Do you want to get into uh, today's topic, which we haven't even teased yet, but yes, jump right in, I guess. Uh, today, I, I kind of want to go over services that are available to new parents, um, like different classes, birthing classes, or just how to be a parent class in general in Japan and uh, the struggle, I think, that I've I've been facing in this search. Mm, yeah, and you're, um, of course, looking for like... Uh, bilingual or English sort of classes or events to I think to initially in. initially I was looking for English or bilingual classes and I resolved myself to just any class that's available in any language I don't even care it's uh it's that hard to find and um I know my wife has talked about uh certain like uh, she's mentioned a class in the past we haven't pursued it but um she was saying that we should go. I think uh, coronavirus might factor into this about who can attend and you know whether they're happening at all. Some of the city websites I've found that do offer information on their classes have giant banners up that say classes are canceled this year. Sorry, coronavirus. Mm, yeah. So that may be holding us back a bit. So um, you have a theory, right, about uh, why the classes are not more predominant? Uh, I do have a theory. In Japan, when women give birth, they are in their hospital for about a week. And in that time that they're in that hospital, a lot of the nursing staff cover breastfeeding techniques and diaper changing and clothing and bathing and all that stuff that a new mom will know. So the need for these classes before that aren't so, I guess, needed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it kind of leaves out dads in this equation big time. And yeah. so for me, finding anything to help me kind of understand this process has been a real struggle. There there are there are classes that I found mostly in Tokyo. And for those of us who are not in Tokyo, that leaves us out in the cold a little bit. Yeah, it seems like we might have to um, default to things like uh, what to expect when you're expecting books and, you know, websites and podcasts, for example. Yeah, um, podcasts, which is great. not it's not as hands-on and uh, 
or visually we, stimulating. Yeah. And uh, you don't, I don't know, going to a class, you assume, okay, well, this teacher is certified in some way and has some level of expertise. And then it's harder to trust, I guess, something you find online or whatever. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, it would be good to go to a class. I do think a problem with it is, um, as we've talked about before, it's just that English is in demand, but it's spread out over the entire country. And, you know, Kanazawa is a medium-sized town, and uh, it's like how many English speakers are there actually that need, uh, or that, you know, have a spouse who's pregnant or that are pregnant themselves. And uh, it's probably never enough in the aggregate to justify like an ongoing course or something. And then if you're in Toyama, I mean, you could, you know, drive to the nearest city or something uh, from where you guys live, but it's probably just a matter of um, there's just not an, enough like population to sustain it in terms of yeah. people who want that sort of a thing. Yeah, very, very, very true, especially just for the English side of it. But it's surprisingly just lack of availability for classes in general, even in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was reading something uh, in my exhaustive search for these classes that the the current i think it's the current this is going to get pretty sad by the way the current Mm -hmm. um main reason that infants are abused and died is because of father's um, lack of education wow so an infant will usually die or be injured because the dad either doesn't know what they're doing enough and they try to help their mom out or they get so frustrated because the mom spends most of the time with the baby doing this stuff and then the dad wants to help but the baby kind of rejects them and then Mm. they kind of lash out, which I don't know what kind of dad would do that, but that's, that's, uh, that's what I read. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Dire situation. Um, yeah, it's good to bring everybody along and get everybody comfortable. Uh, so I think, uh, it would be nice to have the, the classes more available. Um, there's also just that cultural thing of, as you say, there's about a week in the hospital where, um, a lot of like on the job training happens in that week and the mother gets used to the baby and the company of nurses and midwives and you know who are right. imparting their wisdom and then there's a lot of the uh traditionally the wife living with the uh, her parents and then getting her own mother's help for you know weeks or months yeah so um it seems like they have an avenue uh culturally but uh that maybe there are some potholes in that avenue i don't know if that metaphor works but that's what i'm going to go with so um there are uh, some services available anyway. I've got, um, I mentioned this in a previous episode, my hmm. guide that's called You Too Are a Citizen of Kanazawa. And it's meant to sort of um, incorporate foreign people into the fabric of the city by letting them know what services are available to them. I assume that uh, every city, you don't have to be a Kanazawan, but uh, every city must have something like this or uh, some type of outreach or some English page or something. I have a physical old school pamphlet in my hands right now that I'm reading from. But there's a pregnancy and childbirth section and there's some helpful info in it. So I would recommend everybody go find uh, their own version of You Too Are a Citizen of Kanazawa. Uh, but um, there's something called the uh, or two documents that this this pamphlet leads you to. One is the Mother and Child Health Handbook, and the other is the Kanazawa Mother and Child Health Guide. And um, you can pick these books up um, at the local health and welfare center or the health policy section. There are addresses for these things. So I would say just go find these pamphlets, and then they're chock full of the info. 
But um, the Mother and Child Health Handbook uh, helps you, you know, keep track of your appointments and your even infant vaccinations and checkups and all this sort of thing. And they have the handbook in foreign languages, uh, the Kanazawa Mother and Child Health Guide. It's given to all the registered residents of Kanazawa uh, who, of course, have a child. And um, it's information about childhood health services and the subsidy systems, medical expenses, and um, how you can get reimbursed for that sort of thing. So uh, there's a lot of info out there. Just you have to go source it and go pick it up, which may be hard. But I would imagine if you can find the city office that someone will direct you to this sort of thing. Not all cities are equal in their distribution of this information. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I have an example, a comical example uh, in uh, Ibaraki. Mm-hmm. They put out a uh, parenting advice book called Hiyoko. Uh, mm-hmm. It's literally, I think it's just two pages front and back. And it gives like very basic advice. And then uh, just a couple links to take you to Japanese sites that have the real information. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, <laughs> the big chunks out of this is characteristics of a zero to five-year-old child. And I thought this was <laughs> especially especially good advice for birth to one years old, their advice is, please look at the baby's eyes and breastfeed him. Babies communicate <laughs> by by crying. Holy That's Lord. It. That's it. Wow. That's <laughs> so, handy. So uh, if you're in that city, maybe find another city's pamphlet. <laughs> yeah, Other cities' pamphlets are available, we should say. Um, yeah, that sounds like somebody's side project. They're working in the city office, and they're like, you know what we need? And then they just <laughs> yeah. sort of cracked that off on a Friday afternoon, put it out there. Yeah, I'll put um, a link to that one for a good laugh for people who want to read it. Yeah. Um, well, uh, interestingly, I've got uh, a little childbirth information here from the uh, You Two Are a Citizen of Kanazawa Guide. Um, oh, it nice. says you should submit the notification of childbirth within 14 days of the birth and register the child's residency at the citizen section or at a branch office. So this sounds more like some uh, city right. office stuff that has to be done. Right. It also says, um, apply for acquisition of a status of residence within 30 days of the birth. So that kid right. has to be a resident within 30 days. Um, turning the page now. Uh, services provided for pregnancy and childbirth. There's something called healthy baby home visits. They'll send a midwife or a nurse to your house after the baby's born to uh, give you advice and so forth. Infant health checkups, of course, inoculation information, child care classes, um, the happy family child care class, uh, where expectant mothers and fathers can ask for pregnancy and nutrition advice. So that is something that's available. Um, it says for uh, inquiries, go to the city hall building, uh, second floor, and you can find the child rearing support section there. So, nice. um, yeah, the guide has, uh, you know, addresses, phone numbers and things of that nature. And there are services available. Um, I've got one more pamphlet. Uh, Mark, if you don't mind, I will jump right in. Yeah, go this ahead. Is Kanazawa City with Little Kids. And this is a trifold English language pamphlet. Uh, I say trifold. After you trifold it, it folds out again. So it's really more of a sixfold. I think the Latin for that would be a sexfold. God. Getting right <laughs> back into the sex talk. Uh, away from it. So this says it's got very cursory information, but it is it's a nice jumping off point. Things to look into. For example, in the in the birth box, it says uh, reimbursement for the new mother. 
If the new mother has health insurance coverage, 420,000 yen per child will be provided to the mother. Please contact a receptionist at a hospital in advance. So that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of like hard numbers or, or details about how to do it or, or what, but it directs you. So that's handy. Uh, and this says, again, yeah, a birth report within 14 days. You need to contact the city office and uh, issue a, a report of the birth. And they, they list some daycare centers, uh, places like play areas that kids can go to make friends. Nice. And uh, yeah, Japanese language learning opportunities, children's libraries, all this sort of thing is listed in the Kanazawa City Life with Kids six-fold pamphlet. So look hmm. around for those and pick them up. I would recommend City Office Second Floor. Sounds like the place. Yeah, I think those are pretty pretty standard for most city offices. I've seen hmm. a, a few of them around Toyama as well. I think that, that 420000 is the national standard for, for child support in Japan. Okay. So I think anywhere that you are, um, I was looking at the uh, Ministry of Justice website which has the most thorough foreign handbook on living in japan and one of the things they say is is that you get that after you have a kid it also says that after you have the kid you can then apply for what's called a child allowance which Mm -hmm. is i think fifteen thousand for the first kid uh per month Oh, okay. In extra money until they're, I think, until they're three. Interesting. I've heard about um, allowances and uh, I heard about this very uh, mysterious discount card years ago. Um, hmm. I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast. And this is, it's no. such an old memory. It's almost apocryphal to me now. But I knew a man in Japan who had four sons. And this is like kind of outlandish in Japan that someone would yeah. have four children. You know, it's standard is one or less. But um, well, I should say, I think standard is 1.2. But uh, I knew a guy who had four sons and he said uh, after the third son, he was like, I got this card. And he pulled from his wallet an actual card, like a, <laughs> uh, a credit card looking thing on a hard plastic. And it listed the names of all of his children. And um, he said... He was like, yeah, this is good for discounts everywhere. Wow. And uh, he said that it was after three. I guess it's like, uh, you know, promoting like multiple births, trying to get that birth rate up. Just have as many as you can. And uh, according to the conversation we had, and I'm going back, you know, over a decade on this thing. So it could be a thing of the past. It might be a figment of my imagination. Who knows? Hmm. But he said, uh, yeah, I go here and I buy... Uh, if I want to buy a car, I show this card and I would get a discount. If I buy my groceries, I show this card, I get a discount. It's just wow. like a universal discount card if you have a large number of children. So anyway, something to look into. If anybody's Mark and I are working on number one. So yeah. this is a distant future for us. But, I hope to um, not get to four. Yeah, yeah. Keep it under four. But uh, I don't know. With that discount card, you can't afford not to have four. I guess so. You gotta get in there. Okay, next time, uh, triplets. Yeah, get those discounts, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I should say that uh, the child allowance uh, that the government does provide does state that um, the second child is 10,000 yen, but then Mm. if you have a third, it goes back up to 15,000. Wow, that's so interesting. They want to encourage you to have the one... And then the second's like, okay, you're doing all right. That's fine. And then you have three and they're like, wait a minute, this person's productive. And they just want to encourage it more. Wow. That's so interesting. It doesn't say anything about more than three though. So I I don't know. Actually, no, it does. It says 
15,000 yen for the third and subsequent children. Oh, okay. So then you're right back in the money after that. Yeah. All right. I need to get an Excel sheet and an abacus and figure out like the optimal number of children to have. I, I think somebody in America can help you. This is probably a common practice in some places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to touch on some of the, uh, the documents I found as well. I found one um, on, uh, it's, it's called the Toyama uh, Life Handbook. And it is the most mm-hmm. thorough guide I found in Japan. It's 200 pages long wow. in both English and, and Japanese. So mm-hmm. I guess that's 100 pages in English. But it covers literally everything that you could ever need to do in Japan. Like utilities, getting house, apartment, garbage, having a kid, going to the hospital, taking classes with the kid, like covering everything. So I recommend, uh, actually, I'll put a link for the Toyama one in the show notes so people can look at it if they want. But then in my searches, I found the most in-depth parenting guide in Japan from Sapporo City. And this is a 75-page pamphlet just about having a kid in Japan, all in English. I'm, wow. I'm super surprised by this. It goes into more detail, I think, than I've seen in my What to Expect When You're Expecting book. Like wow. it goes through the pregnancy stages. It shows the fetus size in each month. And this is a city document. Like I'm really surprised yeah. that it's in English. Wow. Sapporo's putting everybody to shame. Yeah. So everybody move to Sapporo. They'll support you. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> um, we were talking about this before as well, um, just uh, to interject a little bit, but it's crazy to me, you know, English is sort of the international business language and it's sort of common language for the world. But if you look at the minority populations in Japan, it's not actually English speakers that are the biggest minorities. It would be Chinese speakers or Korean speakers. Right. And so um, I feel like we're in a fortunate position to even have English documents available because we're so much less than even a single percent of the population, you know, native English speakers like us. Yeah. So good on you, Sapporo, for putting such a huge thing together for such a minority. I know they also do it in French. I don't know about okay. other languages, but that one, they list both English and French next to each other. Yeah. So both of the French people in Japan, you're taken care of. <laughs> Are you ready for my question for you is, Justin? Yes, sir. My question for you is not Justin. <laughs> okay. But all right, it's, <laughs> that would uh... be a great question for you, by the way. <laughs> my question for you is, Mark... Mark, uh, come on, Mark, really? Anyway, <laughs> I wouldn't. Wasn't know my choice. <laughs> uh, no. So my question for you is: Assuming that this podcast lives on forever on the interwebs, and mm-hmm. someday your kid stumbles upon it and wants to go back and listen to pre-parent Justin, what is something that you would want to say to them? Uh, initially, I think um, you know. It's a shame we never met, but just visit my grave. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Just pure honesty. (laughs) Yeah, premonitions of my own death. Uh, So that's a very good question. Advice for for the future baby. First of all, I would say, um, you know, if the kid's listening to this at, say, the, the tender age of like 13 or 14, maybe the age when they're just sort of getting aware of... Of, I'd assume um, a like, teenage level. Yeah, like they're sort of old enough to understand it, appreciate it, and um, and get into it. But that is also the age when you are most humiliated by your parents. And right. uh, like in this episode, we talked testicles. So, and yikes. Sex. 
Yeah. Yeah. And we use the word sex many times. That's horrifying. So um, I would say uh, don't take it too seriously, man, because uh, it's just it's just good old fashioned info that a lot of people need to know. So, um, oh, but I know if I were if I were your age, I would be horrified that my father was talking about such things. But we're just trying to share the info, get it out there, be open and honest. And it's very helpful, I hope. Mm. And, um, you know, try to try to take a step back and objectively just enjoy this little record of your of your fetushood. Uh, so that's me covering my own ass. I'm kind of, you know, I'm yeah, already that's, paranoid that's that the kid will be angry. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. I mean, if I were if I were in that kid's shoes, though, I would be mortified for sure. And then that would put me off listening. So that's my thought. I but gotcha. um, how about you? What would your future message be? Stay gold, pony boy. <laughs> okay. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but if they do not understand that reference, then I feel like I failed a little bit. Yeah, you failed. <laughs> uh, no, I think uh, I was thinking a lot about this. Um, yeah, just... Uh, I hope that they know that at that age, assuming it's a teenager or so, and they probably don't feel maybe very connected, that mm-hmm. they can come to me with any issues that they have. Like, mm, yeah. Just know, like, I'm there and you'll be good. Yeah, that is um, that is the, a much more mature answer than what I gave. Uh, I would also <laughs> hope I'm going to just piggyback and steal your answer. Uh, yeah, that communication is key and then i don't know you hear um it's always very refreshing when you hear like uh, a parent say to a child in a healthy way like oh we're gonna have a lot to talk about tonight you know like that sort of a thing Mm -hmm. just when something comes up in life and it's like oh we need to really you know suss this out and and uh, analyze it and from the parent's perspective you need to help the kid through it and so on and i think that that's very uh positive and healthy to hear that that kind of deep talk and guidance is going to go on. So, uh, to that end, I'm, I'm always there for you, dude. Nice. Just, uh, yeah. Not you, Mark. I'm talking to my kid now. Oh, damn. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to schedule, schedule, we'll have to heavily schedule <laughs> our time together, Mark. But, uh, no, no I think you're talking to the kid still. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I drift in and out. Back and <laughs> Uh, yeah, cool. Very good question there. Um, thanks. Well, we've got, uh, our final segment is Japanese of the day, which doesn't have to be Japanese, um, like vocabulary per se. And, uh, today it is not Japanese vocabulary per se. It is our JLPT roundup. Um, Mark and I each just took the JLPT, uh, one week ago. And as of this airing, it'll be two weeks ago. But um, I just for the stats on it, I took the in three, the intermediate test. It goes five, four, three, two, one, one being the the hardest uh, and five being the the easiest. I took the three right there in the middle. And this was my fifth time taking a JLPT over the years. I've taken the four, the five, the four again, the three and the three again. And uh, Mark, what's your record with JLPT? Uh, this is my this was my first time and it was for the N5. Totally fresh. All right. Totally fresh. First experience and 100% last experience. <laughs> You're done with the JLPT. I'm in never in my life taking that 
stupid effing test again. <laughs> wow. Strongly yeah. opposed. Strongly I, opposed. I pine for the days that I was taking the five when things made sense to me, when I thought it was passable. <laughs> but it, uh, you didn't enjoy it at all. I don't think the test was hard. It's not that uh-huh. I'm, I'm bemoaning the difficulty of the test. I actually think uh-huh. the test was super easy. Maybe because mm-hmm. I've been here for six years and just I feel like I should have probably taken it a little while ago now. But yeah, the test itself probably could have taken an hour to an hour and a half total <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, But you're in this horrible, quiet room with people who are just like staring at you and not saying anything for four hours. Yeah. It is ridiculous. The time frame is pretty crazy. And everything is in regular Japanese spoken language. There's no yeah. English like placards anywhere, like describing anything that she's saying in front of the class. Like it's all just Japanese. And I yeah. get that you're there for a Japanese test about the language, but it's the N5. Yeah, that's the thing. The N5 is strange in that way that um, the instructions for the test, I think kind of by necessity have to be in Japanese because you don't want to like, you know, say you put them in English. A a lot of the people taking the N5 are going to be from China or Vietnam or something. And you're advantaging English speakers in that case. So, of course, they're not going to favor any certain language over another with instructions that way. I guess the ideal would be to somehow have the instructions like mostly visual, like instead of printing, like open your test and you have 30 minutes, show a picture of someone opening a test with a clock that has 30 minutes on or something. Yeah, that Um, would have been great. I think, yeah, yeah, they could have done more with that. Like in my whole test, there was only um, me and two other people that I assume were from Western countries. The rest of them were Southeast Asian countries. Everybody was like kind of looking around the class going, uh, what, did, what did she say? And like, yeah. everybody's kind of <laughs> meekly kind of grabbing for their pencil and, but not yeah. <laughs> waiting yeah. for somebody else to do it. And so, yeah, just the whole thing is just very disorganized and very unkind to the test takers. Yeah. Well, um, that is the nature of the beast on the N5. And it's so hilarious because um, I had exactly the same experience when I was taking it. What you, by... Like by necessity, you know, the N5 is going to be sort of like the easiest Japanese, but Mm -hmm. then instructions necessarily have to be a bit more complicated because it's like procedures and steps and uh, the vocab. You can't just dance around it. You have to use certain vocab. And so um, the instructions are way more difficult than anyone's level in that room. And by definition, they should know that that right. no one in that room can understand what they're telling them. Yeah, and so and that's my I've, gripe. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've definitely <laughs> been in there where uh, uh, when taking the N5, when what everyone in the room is hearing is like just a single vocab word that they happen to know. And so ultimately it's like Japanese, 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 pencil, Japanese, 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 Japanese. And yeah. then that's all you get. And then everyone looks around like, did she say don't pick up your pencil? Did she say, definitely do use your pencil? Be sure that you remembered to bring pencils. Like what was this pencil information that I've just missed? And then like one kid, as you were saying, like tentatively reaches for his pencil. And then the proctor literally would come over and yell at that guy. What are you doing? I said this and this about pencils, not this and this about pencils. And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And uh, I don't know if it just comes down to having an overly strict proctor or not, but um, I've, 
I've seen like not quite they don't bring out the yellow card. This is another JLPT thing. If you break a rule, they show you a yellow card. Right. And if you really break a rule, they show you a red card and kick you out. I've never seen a card issued, but um, I've seen people uh, sort of yelled at before. It would be great no if there was own. some explanation for that too, because at that stage when when the proctor is kind of explaining the cards, she just shows cards. Yeah, and you don't know if it's like a five-minute warning or what. Right. So, I mean, everybody else was looking around. We're going, what is that? What is that card? No, no idea. Thankfully, somebody yeah. told me before I went in, so I knew what the card was. But oh god, yeah, I um, it's only mildly better on the N four. There's still a lot of confusion, and then when you take the N three, there are people in the room. I mean, not me, but there are people in the room who belong there, and like you know, test takers, and they can understand what's going on, and they'll even ask questions and and things of that nature. Wow. I even asked a question. I mean, not out loud in front of everybody, but I. I pulled one proctor aside and asked a question. Uh, so there is a little bit more back and forth that goes on, I guess, at the higher levels, as you would expect. I did. I did also ask a question in mind because I was very confused. Oh, yeah. Like it was at the end. So there's three. The N5 gets broken down into three tests. Uh, it's like vocab and then grammar and then listening. So after the first vocab one was done, you hand your test in and you sit there silently waiting for everybody else. And the proctor just stares silently waiting for the clock. And then mm-hmm. once that clock hits that certain time, she's like, okay. And it's really hard to, to understand because she's she points at every row in the class and then she starts saying stuff. And then she points at the first row again and she's like saying more stuff. And then everybody's <laughs> still sitting there and suddenly somebody starts moving and you're like, oh, okay, this means we can leave. <laughs> okay. And so I'm in yeah. the middle, I'm in the middle row. She hasn't pointed at my row, but I see people leaving and I'm just like, Ikimashita, Daijubu. <laughs> and she's like, Yeah, yeah, just go. <laughs> and I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could just yeah. Point at the door or like mime walking out of it or something. Yeah. But ooh, yeah, that's the struggle at the at the N5, which I was just there, you know, a few years ago, two or three or four years ago. But um my uh, JLPT experience was horrible. This was, I've taken it five times. This was hands down the worst time. Uh, it was awful. Your sounds um, pretty bad. Yeah. I walked in. Uh, well, first of all, the venue is this enormous, like um, it's an, it's a park. They say a park, but it's like a big, um, there's like a baseball field, like a stadium. And then there's also a, a soccer field, soccer complex right. where, the local like pro or semi pro team plays their games with all these, you know, grandstands around and everything. And then there are these massive exhibition buildings in the middle of this area. So it's a huge like industrial park, but with sports fields and stuff. And so, uh, I saw that it was that area and I was like, Oh, they must have like an office building or something with like adequate rooms for the JLPT (laughs) where you would go sit in like a classroom setting or like a businessy conference room setting or something. And I was like, I've never seen those there before, but I guess they have them. Okay, so I show up on the day and I go to the building that I'm directed to and I walk in and nope, it's just an aircraft hangar. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I swear to you, you could fit like five basketball courts in this space side by side by side by side. I I have I know exactly what you're talking about. I went to Uh an outdoor RV show in that exact same building. Yeah. 
And, and so it was they filled had, with RVs. <laughs> it was filled with no less than a hundred RVs plus mm. different booths set up and tons of people. This it's yeah. massive. Yeah. It's it's called like Exhibition Hall Three or something, and it's it's not even the smallest exhibition hall there. They they went for it and they got the big one, and it's like being in an NBA arena. I mean, you could fit mm-hmm. easily. I don't know how many thousands or ten or twenty thousand people in this thing. It's just so big. And uh, I say like you know like a, an airplane hangar or whatever, but it's really like two or three airplane hangers like side by side or something. It's so massive. Yeah. And so um, I walked in. And there are tables set up and they're not desks, but they're full, like long tables like that. You could in a pinch put like three people abreast, you know, at these sort of longish tables. And um, again, for a sense of the scale, these long tables, they go 16 across and 42 deep, meaning that there are 672 long tables set up in this like arena space. And it's a concrete floor and it's like the metal, you know, uh, metal beams of the ceiling, like however many 20 meters above your head or whatever. It's this like Jesus. cavern of a space. And uh, there are all these tables set up. And I, I walked in and within five seconds, I thought like, well, they can't do the listening in here. How yeah. would you do listening in a space like this? It doesn't make any sense. And uh, I've administered tests in the past, and I know as a test administrator, I wouldn't even attempt to do a listening section in there. What are you going to do? Blast speakers to like over 600 people in the echoiest place that man has ever conceived. And so it's just, it was absolute foolishness. So I went in and thought like, well, I I guess for vocab and grammar, the N3 is structured exactly the same as the N5, by the way. So for the vocab and grammar, I could just sit in a big ass room. It doesn't matter. But then for the listening, they must move us or something like what's going to happen there. And um, come the listening section. Nope, we're not moving. They just have like 12 PA speakers that are sort of pointed out to the room and everybody did the listening together. And it was like a hybrid of hearing someone speak and Charlie Brown parents. It was just (laughs) like this echoey soup of like muddled chaos and that was your listening section on the test that they only offer twice a year. So it's like better luck in the summer, you know, like hopefully, hopefully we figured it out then. Yeah. And, uh, Oh boy, that, uh, that really burned me up. And I was sitting at the desk just like looking around, like during the listening, looking around, throwing my hands up in the air, like being emotively outraged by the, the nature of this thing. And, um, afterward I wrote a letter to them, uh, which says I demand my money back because these aren't adequate testing conditions. It doesn't no, make any sense. Yeah. And they know that it's not because the previous four times it's been in a classroom setting, like carpeted room, minimal size where you can just listen to a CD player and you, everyone can hear and do the listening part. Yeah. That's what we did. Yeah, man. They punted an entire third of the test. The whole section is gone because they just didn't do it properly. And um, what also makes me angry about it is that I feel like, as you were saying, you look around the room and there's like, uh, maybe among the 600, I saw like two other guys like me who are like a middle-aged guy basically. Um, and then everyone else was like a college age student from a Southeastern Asian country. Mm -hmm. And so just those people being so young, I don't think they have an expectation of what it's supposed to be to take a standardized test in Japan. And I don't think that 
they would then take it upon themselves to complain or demand their money back. Like complaining and demanding your money back is more of like a middle-aged Karen move. And that's me totally. (laughs) So like, I think that the JLPT kind of gets away with it in this case, because there's just like, I don't know, when you do something wrong in front of a bunch of kids, the kids don't have any frame of reference. Yeah. They just don't know. This is a lot of my complaint too. It's that (laughs) there's no competition for what is it? The J E E S. And so oh, J E E S. Yeah. Jeez. Jeez. And, so, and so this company that, or I don't even know if it's a company. Is it an organization? Yeah. J E E S. I forget what it stands for, but they organize the JLPT. So there's nothing to help them improve or to implement better tests because there's no competition for this. You are stuck with yeah. only the JLPT. Whereas yeah. if you're an English learner, you have the TOEFL, you have the TOEIC, you have, uh, what is the British IELTS? Yeah, IELTS, uh, and, TOEFL, uh, TOEIC, and I mean, Aiken. So you have a lot of different options to choose from. If you don't like one, you can be- you can find one that better suits you. But for Japanese yeah. learners, we are effed when it comes yeah. to this <laughs> yeah. stupid regimented test. Yeah. So to compound the issue for me, it was um, that this enormous space... Uh, is basically unheatable because it's December and it's cold and you're in an arena. Like when have right. you ever walked into like a 20,000 seat, you know, basketball arena in the dead of winter and thought like, oh, nice and toasty in here. Like it's going to be drafty and horrible no matter what. Only so, when I've been drunk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I had long underwear on top and bottom. I had a sweatshirt. I had jeans. I had wool socks. And then I kept my jacket on zipped up and I wore a sock cap. And I was shivering during parts of the test. And they had um, they had heaters going, but like that heat goes up to the top of the enormous like arena ceiling, and then you're on the cold concrete floor. Right. And so, anyway, I was I was literally shivering through parts of the test, which again is not great conditions. And so, um, another funny thing after the test was all over, I was at work during the week and I talked to a coworker and uh, he in passing mentioned like, Oh yeah, crazy weekend last week. And I had the JLPT and I was like, Oh really? What level did you take? And he was like, Oh, I took the N3. I was like, Oh, so you were in the room with me with 600 people. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) A guy that I've known for a decade (laughs) was in the room with me and I didn't see him at all just because of the expansive nature of this place. And so then, yeah, we commiserated about it a bit. And uh, he was like, yeah, it was awful. Like, especially when a man's voice would come out on the listening, like a low voice coming out of these PA speakers in a big echoey place. You just couldn't understand it. And he said, I was sitting there shivering because it was so cold. (laughs) So this was the common experience that everyone had um, unprompted. This is the takeaway from the JLPT. And it's a real shame. And I lost a lot of respect for them as an organization. I always thought that it was fine enough and they, you know, they do a good enough job and there's some things that they can't help. But this one was just some kind of like poor planning or a money grab or something. I don't know, but uh, I am furious with you. It's been a week since you sent the email. Have you heard anything yet? Well, I say I say uh, I wrote an email because I have yet to send the email. Oh, Um, yeah. (laughs) One thing is I don't think they'll be as receptive to the English email. So uh, my wife has graciously agreed to translate it into Japanese. I want to give them the double whammy, the English and the Japanese. And I think like I I get pretty brutal in an email and I get my wordings all right. And then I really just try to 
take the legs out from under people. <laughs> and so like if I'm <laughs> complaining and uh, I don't think that all that will be appreciated. And I want a Japanese version to really fully kind of give yeah. the appropriate shame that they need. It will definitely come across very Karen. If mm. you just send the English version, I'm a full Karen. I'm proud of it. I, I was tempted to send an email. My experience was nowhere near as bad as yours. So I did not. Yeah. You had the the par for the course. I look at the N5 as just unavoidable confusion because yeah. they're telling everyone like, hey, a bunch of beginner like language students come here and we're going to administer a four hour test for you in Japanese. Yeah. There's like there's not a great way to navigate that smoothly. So it's always awkward. And you walk out like feeling insulted in a way or <laughs> like, come on, I, I paid for this and it was so weird, but. I think that's just the nature of it. I also wasn't clear on when they give you the results. Oh, um, that nobody takes... says anything in the yeah. class. You just kind of end and then everybody kind of confusingly walks out. Yeah, they uh, I think and this is just a loose timeline. But uh, what springs to mind, um, I think it's like after six weeks, I want to say it could be four, maybe six weeks. You can check the website oh, and okay. your results will be there. And then after two months, they send you a postcard telling you that you failed. So you have to wait. You have to wait two months for that failure notice. But um, that's how they roll at the JLPT. Two Something tests a year. Yeah, it takes a long time to get the results. But um, anyway, I'll be. Yeah, I don't know. It was just a real mess. Oh, one other fun thing, if I may continue my tirade Please into do. Act 3. I, I have a trusty watch. I'm a big fan of a certain brand of watch. It's called Knot, K-N-O-T. I love this watch. And I've had it for five years, and it's been flawless for the entire five years. And it has a little stopwatch on it, so I can push a button and time things that I need to time. And I use that every day. I'm nice. always like timing students. Like, oh, talk to your partner for two minutes, and I hit the timer. Or Uh, okay, study for five minutes, hit the timer. I use it constantly. So perfect for the JLPT. It's like, oh, 30 minute section, hit the timer. And um, five years, this watch has been perfect. And then in section one, I started the timer. The little hand that marks the timer got up to 23 minutes and unbeknownst to me, stopped. (laughs) (laughs) And so on a 30 minute test, my watch notified me a couple of times that I was like, oh, yeah, I'm between 20 and 25, like looking at that little hand, 23. And then I looked at it a minute later. Oh, still on 23. That's good. I'm I'm breezing through this thing. This is nice. And uh, longest I was, ever. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like pacing myself based on that. Like, oh, I've got like, you know, six or seven questions, but I've got six or seven minutes. I'm just right on. I think I'm doing really well here. Damn. And then as soon as I had that thought, they said, put your pencils down. <laughs> and so I... I feverishly filled in random bubbles for those last ones. Oh. And uh, then throughout the remainder of the uh, the test, different features of my watch died. And, and then by the end of the test, the watch was fully inoperable. And, uh, it was too cold, <laughs> yeah. right? It was too cold. It froze <laughs> up, man. It's not rated for that. Uh, so... I uh, I literally, I started the test with a functioning watch and ended the test with a fully broken watch that cost me like probably, I don't know, 15% of a whole section Damn. just by mismanaging my time. And uh, then I was flying blind after that. It was horrible. I didn't quite understand the need for the watch. They, they tell you on that little flyer they send out, like bring a pencil, bring a watch. I set it on the desk. I never looked at the thing. Like what? Oh, really? What do they, what do they need you to have the watch for? The proctor has a stopwatch and she's doing everything 
Yeah. Well, you must have been breezing through then because you weren't concerned about time. I was not concerned about time. I was, <laughs> like I said, like it, I felt like it was pretty easy for me because I should have done it a couple of years ago, probably. Yeah. So when you finished a section, did you have loads of spare time? Oh, God. Just, just staring at the walls. Wow. Yeah. Because as you go, the reading sections get a lot denser and then like the answer choices in a reading section, A, B, C, and D will all be full, complicated sentences. Yeah. You've got to refer back to a page of text, and then your time management becomes like a big problem. I think a lot of the issue in studying Japanese is that you get really good at at reading Japanese. So I had no issues with those parts. Like, I could understand everything, even like the weird kanji they would throw in occasionally still made Mm -hmm. sense to me. It was the listening part, which always Uh, messes me up because I don't get a lot of interaction in Japanese. So I'm not used to hearing a lot of it. And Mm -hmm. when that came on, like they started, I think they got to the second question in the listening. And I was Uh like, oh, crap, we're on the second question. And I thought it was still (laughs) the first question. (laughs) That's awesome. So I'm fully prepared to fail this thing just because I know... I got 100% wrong on the listening. Yeah, 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 which is quite a feat <laughs> on a multiple choice test <laughs> to go straight zero. I have um, zero confidence in myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel, and I think we've had different experiences, though we are two foreign guys living in Japan. Um, I've always worked in an environment where, um, I mean, I, you know, I operate in English mostly, but there's Japanese spoken uh very consistently right and so i think you're not in that daily so then the listening ends up being sort of something that it's the last section and by that time you kind of feel a little bit more relieved you're like well the first sections were hard but i can listen because i've just Uh, listened so much and uh you do get tripped up on it but um traditionally the listening has been one of my better uh better results of the three sections so yeah it's probably just your life experience yeah my situation is drastically different i think than most people who come here i work at home in english Mm -hmm. for an american company still and yeah and you even live way out in the country and there's just not people around yeah which i kind of thought would do better for me because when i was living in osaka and kanazawa i always found that when i went out and to places, grocery stores, or anywhere, people would often try to speak to me in English, but I thought it would be better here. It is. People do speak yeah. more Japanese to me, but it tends to be the same, like five sentences. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you yeah. want a bag? Do you need a receipt? Yeah. 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 <laughs> if that were the listening section, man, I would ace, ace that. Yeah. The crazy thing, just for some JLPT prep for you guys, um, it's interesting, like how Kago, which is respectful language, kind of creeps into the listening sometimes. I mean, it's all through the test, Mm. I suppose, but um, I've noticed it in the listening. Some of the listening, they'll show a picture of two people and uh, one of the people has like a little word bubble or something and you have to say, what is the line that this guy's probably saying that makes sense in the context of this picture? And uh, sometimes you'll notice that it's like one of the people in the picture, like say there are two construction workers. So then you have to infer, okay, these guys work for the same company so they're going to be using a little bit more like formal workplace Japanese mm. instead of casual, like chill with your friends Japanese. And then you'll notice that one of the guys in the picture has lines on his face and the other guy looks young. And so then <laughs> depending on who is speaking to whom, you have to realize like which version of polite Japanese you should choose. 
And then the, the question will sometimes be exactly the same phrase said with differing degrees of politeness. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have to know like which verb conjugation or which vocab choice is appropriately polite or humble to match this old guy with a lined face who's trying to pick up a girder. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that's how it shakes out. Well, I'm never going to experience that. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> you, that ship has sailed for you. You're done. Has. Are you going to be proud if you get it back and you passed? I will be surprised. Yeah, I will definitely be surprised. I'm full. I'm very prepared to receive a failure in two months. Yeah. Are you? I, what do you think? Oh, I'm a failure for sure. I mean, I couldn't hear the <laughs> listening. So I think that that probably sunk me. Uh, yeah. And um, I don't know if you do this mentally, but um, like when I'm speaking Japanese at all in my mind, somebody's talking to me and then in Japanese and I'm thinking like, there's no chance I'm going to understand this person. <laughs> like that's my internal monologue. And yeah. because that because that internal monologue is running, I'm not actually listening to what the person is saying and therefore have no chance at the communication. Then when I'm also, when I'm trying to formulate stuff, my mind gets carried away with like, man, you don't know this vocab word. Like, it's a shame that you've studied so much and you can't remember this stupid vocab word. And I'm actually thinking that, well, I should be talking to someone. (laughs) And so then it really hinders, you know, the communication. And that happened to me during the test when it was muddled and I thought maybe if I just listen close enough, I can just hear it. If I just try. And those are my thoughts instead of actually trying to process the listening. And then I realize a whole question has gone by and I've just been mentally like aggravated by the fact that I can't hear it well and not even paying attention at all to what's being said. So that alone took me out of the listening. I was surprised by the listening, by how fast it was Mm -hmm. and that it didn't repeat. Yeah. I was really, deal. really surprised by that. I thought they would be a little kinder, but no. So I, I was doomed from the start. Yeah. They pull no punches with that yeah. listening. It's, it's intense. Yeah. I think, I think that has to do with a bit of imposter sim- syndrome, doesn't it? Like that uh, self doubt and yeah. not trusting yourself a bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, I always look at other people like imposter syndrome wise. I always look at other people who are in my shoes, essentially, yeah. and think like, man, that guy's good. He's got it all figured out. And then it'll dawn on me like, wait, I'm taking exactly the same test and have studied exactly the same stuff as that guy. Like, so I wonder if that guy thinks I have it all figured out, you know, <laughs> and, but I never initially put myself in the shoes of somebody, especially with Japanese who should have anything on the ball. Mm. Yeah. But anyway. I want to do at least one more JLPT. I want to do the summer 2022, the N3 again, because I, I really want to gauge my, you know, the previous N3 that I failed. I have the results from it. I've got this N3, which is a wash because right. they didn't administer it properly. So I can't even compare the results of this one to the results of the last one to see like if I made improvements or whatever. Did they release the results? I'm a little unclear about when you can actually look at the tests themselves. I don't know if they do that officially. I don't know if that's an official thing. I did hear someone told me um, the other day that uh, the day after the test, they saw some blog post and it was like, here are all the questions and all the answers from yesterday's JLPT. Oh, but it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't officially done. So I don't know how that person accessed that information or where it came from. But I think you can search it out and find it. I just don't know if they 
uh, publish that sort of thing. Well, that person was sneakily using their cell phone in the yeah. class then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was in the uh, front of the class and they have these little plastic bags on the desk. And apparently mm-hmm. you're supposed to put your cell phones in that plastic bag after yeah. you've turned them off. So there was no way I was getting that cell phone out without that teacher seeing it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The back of the class uh, move right there. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if, uh, I don't know what the circumstances were. And maybe they do release all of that and I'm just unaware of it. But um, uh, yeah, I've never come across it personally. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would like to see what I what I messed up on and ways that I can improve that. Yeah. I mean, the listening, I don't, that's, that's done. I feel that. But if I yeah. missed anything, the other ones. Yeah. But um, I might be in the same boat as you after the summer, because um, if I take like a fair shot at the N3, and then I can compare those numbers to the previous year's numbers. Uh, and if I've made no progress, despite all the study, then I think as a life decision, I would just <laughs> have to back off N3s and studying because it's like, how yeah. can you invest so much time into something that shows no results for, yeah. I mean, literally years at a time? You, I might have just hit the plateau that my brain can handle. And you don't so, need uh, the JLPT for work or anything, do you? This is all just no. own. Yeah. yeah, same for me. I don't need it. I was just going to yeah. kind of get an assessment. Yeah, I am ready to write it off. But after the summer one, just to get another round of numbers under mm. my belt, I think, just to see what's going on. And if I'm making like, market improvement or if i pass it or something that might motivate me to keep going but as of now it's not looking good we'll see in the summer then uh yeah look forward to a uh similarly furious jlpt roundup about six months from now 70 (laughs) 70 that's where we'll be uh i don't think the math works on that at all but no um, no (laughs) i didn't think about that (laughs) (laughs) i just got my pocket calculator out and uh oh god uh, you're fact checking me live yeah <laughs> you've been putting out fake news for too long mark and it's about time somebody stood up to you so you caught me son of a bitch had to be me speaking of uh fake news though i would like yeah. to say that anybody who has uh experience with anything we talked about today please uh send us a message on twitter or via email so that we can either correct what we said wrong or add to the stuff that we missed. And you can Please do that do. at JPOPs Podcast or info at thejpops.com. And I think that about wraps us up for the day. Yeah, cool. Oh, man, we've got to do our outro um, phrases. Oh, that's right. Uh, it's only right that I go first this time. Last week, I just stole your phrase, so I should come up with something. Um, uh, oh, all I can think <laughs> of is <clears throat> outrageous stuff against the JLPT. You know, I just want to bury them. But I can't go out on a negative note like that. I've got to. You can spin it positively. Spin it positively. Um, Okay, here's my outro. Uh, I'm bringing one Japanese speaker into this world, and that's enough. And be good to your grandma.